This is Zachary Steele. I'm here with um, Marilyn Cloitra, Philip Hyland, and Thanis Karatsius. Um, and uh, the topic we're talking about today is the assessment and treatment of ICD complex PTSD. For those of you who haven't caught up with the field, we've really in a time of substantial change in the way that we think about trauma. For a long time we've known that there's some very complex presentations of people that experience catastrophic and prolonged trauma. And for the first time we're moving to a place where we're starting to really characterise that and to measure it properly. Marilyn, you've really been at the heart of this thinking about this and moving towards it. What sort of brought you to, to try to advance the field in this regard? Mm. Well, I guess it is a bit of a personal story as a young therapist. Um, I was beginning to do some group treatment work of women who had experienced sexual assault and just very naively thought it would be good to organize the groups by the kind of trauma they'd experienced. And one group were people who had experienced adult rape, and the other group I put together were women who had experienced adult rape but had shared with me the fact that this was just the tip of the iceberg, that they'd had many, many other kinds of experiences, particularly childhood abuse. And they seemed to carry um, a sense of shame about what had happened and a sense of blaming themselves for this long, long history. And this is 30 years ago, and we didn't have a very good sense of why, why there were certain people who had repeated traumas. And so the women felt shamed and the clinicians felt confused. And so over time, I was probably most influenced by Judy Herman's book, who, who really laid out the idea of complex trauma. And I was able to say, aha, that's a name, that's a label for, for what I'm seeing in these patients. And so it was a relief to sort of have a framework for understanding what had happened that people who in early life or repeatedly experience trauma have changes in their sense of self and who they are and what they expect of others. Um, and so it became critical in my mind to really identify these people and work with them um, as needed around sense of self and all the kinds of skills that had either diminished or never really properly developed because of the chronicity of their trauma. And so I'm thinking not only of people with early life trauma, but refugees and various other people we see now who recall themselves being very different at one point in their lives, right? Who had a different sense of self, felt more able to engage in life, more skilled in managing things. Um, so that, that was, I think the very first step was just recognizing that there is this group of people that suffered in a different way, in a more complicated way, and had a more complicated history. And then, from the 90s on, I think many people gathered together and understood that there were at least these two different groups of people. The goal became how to diagnose them, how to identify them in ways that were consistent and reliable and ref meaningly, meaningfully reflected who they were. And so, there were many failed attempts at this. We had DSM, I guess, four, which rejected the idea of complex PTSD. Then we had alternative offshoots of Desnos, which um, really derived. And that's, that's disorders of extreme stress, not otherwise specified. Yes, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
which might have been just a little more complicated, a tad more complicated. And um, I think the field was, field was in this like sustained state of uncertainty and confusion. And it was really the result of ICD-11, World Health Organization, saying, we want a complex PTSD. You guys figure it out. Um, and we had maybe three or four years of discussion about how to properly frame a diagnosis called complex PTSD, which would capture meaningfully a patient profile and would have potential benefits for treatment. And that's how we got where we got today. Yeah. And I, I know um, being a long-term clinician and working with some severely traumatized people, the work of Judith was remarkable. It built on some of the work of Marty Horowitz before of really trying to identify this group of individuals that are more severely, but like many of us, we're in the wilderness because we just didn't know how to operationalize it and to reliably identify. And I know that's been a big change and achievement. And I suppose to bring you in, Philip, and um, just the, the science has grown a lot over the last few years. Just tell us where we are with now with the science around the assessment and treatment and identification of complex PTSD. Well, I guess over the last few years from 2015, Marilyn, Chris Bruin, John Bisson, Neil Roberts, they developed the International Trauma Questionnaire. So this was a way of operationalizing the construct that you guys had spent so many years trying to figure out. And I guess initially we, we had a sense of how we wanted to measure it and we used analogs, we used available data, you know, archival data to try and see if we could really capture, I suppose, the additional symptoms from PTSD, the disturbances in self-organization that co-occurred with the core PTSD symptoms. And that proved successful. That was good. And, and that, what are the components of this DSO? And what are the sort of so factors? So there's three core symptoms, um, problems with emotional regulation. So that might be hyperactivation of, of uh, emotional responses or reactions to stressful events, uh, or it might manifest in hypoactivation. So it might manifest either in a tendency towards numbing or perhaps a sense of dissociation. Uh, then we have another cluster of symptoms around negative self-concept. So this is a tendency towards a fixed negative sense of self, feeling like a failure, feeling, um, feeling worthless. And then there are a cluster of symptoms around disturbances in relationships. So these are you know, difficulty forming and maintaining relationships, uh, a desire to avoid relationships, difficulty just getting in and staying in close personal relationships. So once we had that const those constructs in mind and we had some initial data to show that really these symptoms do hang together in a meaningful way and co-occur with our core PTSD symptoms, we could get to work, or Marilyn and Chris and John and Neil got to work on developing the specific indicators for those symptoms. And this culminated in the development of the International Trauma Questionnaire. So we started doing work on that in 2016, I guess was the first study that was published on the, 
on the psychometric properties or the reliability and validity of the scale. And that was with some data collected in Scotland in, uh, in the river centre that Thanos led on. And that was encouraging. The, the initial data was encouraging. Again, the ITQ seemed to capture these distinct symptom sets in a, in a manner consistent with the Well, there's sort of now theory. about 20 studies, and some of them done by independent groups that yeah. have replicated that factor structure of the DSO the, 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 um, and the, the sort of in, intrusion avoidance arousal for PTSD. So, you know, that's very powerful. But there's also been research around latent class analysis Correct. and what's that, you know, what's that showing for us? Yeah, so once we, were, once we were happy that we were measuring these constructs appropriately, then we could, I suppose, ask the more important question, which is, among trauma survivors, do we observe distinct groups who manifest these symptom profiles? And, yeah, this statistical technique, latent class analysis, allows us a way of testing basically the hypothesis that within a trauma sample we should see distinct populations. And, yeah, there must be a dozen or so LCA-based studies now that, that do find homogenous groups that are reflective, that who have symptom profiles reflective of PTSD, so they have all the re-experiencing, the avoidance, the sense of threat symptoms, but none of the DSO symptoms. So we've finally achieved what we haven't been able to achieve under all the time with DESNOS and other categories. We're reliably identifying groups within the PTSD range that show these two profiles of presentations, one with a greater level of disturbances around that self-integration, self-construction, self-organisation, and then where we see the more pure kind of intensive arousal and intrusion were almost like a, like a traumatic stress injury versus this pervasive impact on the whole person. Correct, and we, we found in these studies that those individuals who had the complex CPTSD profile, complex PTSD profile, um, did manifest greater levels of impairment in their day-to-day -day functioning, yeah. and quite substantially so. So, Philip, how, how prevalent do you think these two ICD-11 conditions are, you know, the more pure form of PTSD and, and complex PTSD? So we have some good data on that. Um, probably the best data we have comes from a nationally representative household survey from the United States, which, which Marilyn conducted. And we found in the general population that 7.2% of people meet the diagnosis for either. Um, but what was interesting was... And that's very comparable with the old DSM system, so it shows this congruence of the two systems. Yeah, the, the, the two national comorbidity surveys were, were spot on, 6.7 and 7.7, I think, so we were right, right in their confidence intervals. Um, but what was interesting to us was that complex PTSD was just as frequent or just as commonly observed as PTSD. So maybe the idea that it was a rare condition or much rarer relative to PTSD was not true. Um, and that's born And that out. sort of goes with the evidence that complex trauma is also much more prevalent at a population level than we think in childhood abuse and prolonged periods of trauma. And exposure to multiple events at different periods in life. So we've, we've expanded that work now. We've been able to get other general population surveys in Israel and in the UK, in Ireland. Ireland, in Germany, you know, and most of them, they're not 
entirely consistent, so there's probably some cultural factors, but generally speaking, complex PTSD is as common, if not in some circumstances more common, than PTSD. So this research really translates at a population level to identifying a group that might need additional supports from our traditional approaches. And especially in the clinic. So when we look at our clinical samples, we find that those who present for treatment or seek treatment, it's much more common. You have twice the rates of complex PTSD than PTSD in the clinic. So that's very important. Thank you. So, well, this brings us to perhaps the most important question, and I, and I think it's one that we're still wondering where it will go. So now we've identified these two groups, we've replicated that they're reliably identified across multiple populations in various parts of the world, but what does this mean? What does it mean for treatment? So Thanos, I might kick yep. over to you there. Yep. What do you think, you know, and where are we going to go in terms of... Does this have any implications in how that we approach and treat and provide care for trauma survivors? I, I think it has very important implications for, for treatment, but I'm not quite sure whether we, we are there yet in terms of where the evidence is at the moment. CPTSD is a newly described condition, and there are no trials at the moment validated treatments for complex PTSD. And clearly, a question is whether existing treatments might be useful for the new complex PTSD construct. Uh, so we did a meta-analysis. A meta-analysis is a way of looking into uh, the evidence collectively on the effectiveness for a particular condition. So we, we looked into existing evidence on the effectiveness of treatments for complex PTSD. But Complex PTSD is a new syndrome, there are no trials. We looked into PTSD trials and we looked into trials that assessed the DSO symptoms using proxy measures. And what we found is that existing interventions commonly used for PTSD and found incredibly effective, such as CBT and, and EMDR, can be useful for symptoms of complex PTSD unless the source of trauma is in childhood then they become less uh, uh, effective. That means that there is something about childhood in their personal trauma that complicates or, or survivors who have experienced those traumas they have more needs uh, for, for support. So we looked a number of we did a number of small pieces of work looking into theoretical constructs, psychological constructs that relate to specific therapies and, and more or less what we call active treatment components within therapies from a theoretical perspective and how these are uh, related to PTSD and complex PTSD. And th there is some interesting evidence uh, emerging, but I think that the, the way forward is more personalized type of, of approaches be, because in clinical practice, you are a clinician you, yourself, you would know that two people with the same trauma present completely differently and their needs for support are, are completely different. different. So where we are uh, at the moment, uh, we looked into the evidence, we are producing some theoretical uh, work trying to identify what might be a good way forward. And the idea we are going to uh, explore is modular therapy. What modular therapy uh, in relation to complex PTSD? So what modular therapy is, uh, you are 
doing an initial assessment with someone to formulate their symptoms. And you decide which cluster of complex PTSD you are going to tackle first. You um, um, design an intervention or you apply a treatment to tackle this particular cluster. You assess symptoms where they are at the end and then you are going into the symptoms of complex PTSD sequentially. And we think that this provides this person-centeredness and the unique perspective in treatment that each of complex PTSD patient might, might uh, require. And I think we are in a very good position at the moment. We uh, clearly modular therapy can, can be used. There are a number of validated treatments for affective dysregulation, for, for self-esteem, for uh, the symptoms of, of PTSD. But we also produced uh, one of, of uh, our own. We have expanded uh, Marilyn's STAIR approach uh, for a complex trauma. The initial STAIR was um, an intervention of uh, three modules, and we have added one uh, additional module on self-concept, self and we are ready to now uh, trial this intervention for complex PTSD. So it sounds like we've got some legacy treatment studies we can learn from, but now that we've got this operationalized diagnosis and clear areas of impairment, there's this room to now evaluate a more targeted modular approach. Yeah. So it's exciting times ahead for CPTSD. Thank you all for joining me here today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.